0: Today, we're reacting to John Elway's annual pre-draft press conference. What did we learn from Denver's front office czar? We'll also address two of the most pressing issues for the Broncos heading into 2018. You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast presented by Mile High Huddle and 247 Sports. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and joining me today is my new partner, not only on this podcast, but at Mile High Huddle 247 Sports. He is your Denver Broncos reporter for 247 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, what's good, my brother?
1: I'm good, man. What's up with you? I'm happy to be joining forces. I'm happy to be the merge is finally complete, bring my super hot fire takes, the mile high huddle um, and the, you know, the huddle up podcast. I'm excited.
0: Absolutely. Yep. And I know the users and the listeners are stoked uh, for us to get together. And, you know, one thing I'm really excited about, and Zach and I were talking about this a little bit off air, but with being able to do the the podcast together, Zach and I, the the leadership of the site, it's just going to help us add, some consistency and kind of weave this whole thing together and especially in the first few days of this merger it was kind of crazy with everything trying to figure out how it all works but we're starting to settle into a groove and uh, i'm just really looking forward to pushing this thing forward and just dominating on the internet
1: i'm pumped man we're gonna kill it there's no competition left after we're done (laughs)
0: that's it that's right i love it i love the confidence well uh with the draft coming later this week we do have a lot to get to today zach and i but first Guys, make sure you do your duty as a listener of the podcast and, and rate the show on on uh, iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play. And if you're one of our many YouTube listeners, leave us a comment. No matter how you listen to the show, just take some time, leave a creative review. You can show your appreciation for the work that we dedicate to the show each and every week by just taking some time and leaving us a, a rating or a review. And really what it does, guys, it helps us to reach new listeners and grow the show. Plus... You know, we always love hearing your thoughts and getting feedback on the show. Also, you can follow the the uh, Huddle Up Podcast on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod and make sure you're subscribing because you're not gonna want to miss a single episode. And before we dive deep into today's topics of discussion, I want to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash huddle up. You get over 180,000 different titles to choose from, whether you're an iPhone user. Android, Kindle, or mp3 player. As you guys know, I'm a huge reader, but I don't always have time to sit down and turn the pages on the books that I want to read, but Audible allows me to do that. Just like today, I was out in the yard mowing the lawn, turned on a book, and I was able to turn those pages, figuratively speaking, while I was doing other stuff. You can do it with the gym, you can do it on your commutes. So take this opportunity. We're giving you a free book and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash up. Uh, And it's a great way to not only support the show, but by patronizing our sponsors. We appreciate it. All right. So John Elway held his annual pre-draft press conference on Thursday. And while, you know, he did a pretty good job of playing the media like a fiddle, only letting slip what he really wanted out there, there were a few takeaways. And right out of the gate, Zach, Elway drops the bomb that the Broncos are open for business, so to speak, with the fifth pick. And then he later intimated that if anything's going to happen on that front as far as you know, trading up or trading back, it's probably going to resolve this week. And, in fact, it might even end up being on draft day. But what were your thoughts on uh, Elway talking about, hey, look, number five pick, we're open for business, NFL.
1: Yeah, he did say that uh, starting Monday, which is tomorrow, and going to start taking calls about going up or going down, see what teams around the NFL want to do with that number five overall pick. But if you recall, Chad, at the combine, he actually made similar comments that the Broncos are open for business with the number five overall pick, depending on how free agency played out. Um, after that so and and with free agency of course they solve their biggest needs at quarterback with case you know case Keenum right tackle with Jared Beldeer coming over from the Cardinals in that trade Cornerback, which remain Brock, safety with Stuart Cravens, and even inside linebacker he took care of with Todd Davis. I know he's not a very popular player, but they have, you know, they're in a good position now to go BPA with that number five overall pick. I'm sure we'll get into that, you know, a little later in the podcast tonight, oh, yeah.
0: but
1: yep. it was, uh, you know, definitely not very eye opening because he did make those comments at the combine, but he's definitely looking to be aggressive in this draft as he always is on drafted.
0: And we know that there are definitely some teams interested in that fifth pick. The two that come to mind most obviously are Buffalo, who are sitting at uh, number 12, and then the Cardinals, who I believe are at 15. Both teams very much in the market for a quarterback and obviously out of reach if they want to get one of the top four in this class, which is very top-heavy. So I think the demand's going to be there. wouldn't surprise me either if some team, uh, including someone like the New England Patriots, just got a wild hair and got really aggressive and had their heart set on one of these signal callers at the top of the draft that could make John Elway an offer, basically that he that he couldn't refuse.
1: Don't forget about the Dolphins either; they're mm. also a quarterback needy team, and they're in, you know they're in the lower team. So a lot of interest in that pick. I expect him to get a lot of phone calls, make a lot of phone calls, and I think he could have serious, serious talks about moving down in the draft this coming week.
0: Absolutely, and we also learned that quarterback is still very much on the table for the Broncos at the top of the draft. Notwithstanding, of course, the uh, Case Keenum signing. However, there have been some recent reports and some buzz behind the scenes that we've picked up at Mile High Huddle. Uh, By the way, you guys, you you all need to subscribe, become VIPs. But the buzz says that Baker Mayfield is not going to be there at pick five. And that means that if the Broncos truly covet the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, which we have reason to believe that they do, they're going to have to find a way to get to the, the second pick. I talked to a, a, a Cleveland Brown source, a guy that I trust, who told me that Baker Mayfield is actually still on the table for the Browns at number one overall. They haven't come to a conclusion yet. It's probably going to be Darnold, but he's still in that conversation even for number one. But if the Broncos want to really increase their odds, they're going to have to get to number two. Now, originally we had heard, Zach, that the Giants uh, sitting there at number two weren't willing to trade out of that spot. But as we've inched closer to the big day – Kind of sounds like GM Dave Gettleman, who came over, of course, formerly of the Carolina Panthers, might be open to a trade back so long. And here's the caveat, as the Giants stay in the top five. Now, for me, and that obviously makes them a, a great fit with the Broncos. Now, for me, as much as I like Baker Mayfield, Zach, the cost of moving up to number two, I just have a hard time. That's too rich for my blood. I'd rather the Broncos try and trade back. Um, frankly than trade up that's just you know my gut or even just stay at five and take the best QB or non-QB blue chipper but coming down to ideal scenarios for you uh, Zach at the top of the draft for the Broncos what's your ideal scenario? Well, the,
1: the giant spot's interesting because the, you know they're sitting pretty they, at number two. They can take a quarterback, they can take Saquon Barkley, they can take you know Bradley Chubb. They're not really pigeonholed into any one player as far as they're concerned. I also don't really understand what they're doing if they pass on a quarterback with Eli Manning and his twilight. I don't know why they wouldn't take his successor. But in terms of the Broncos, no, I would not want them to trade up either. I am right there with you. I don't think there's a quarterback in this draft that it warrants mortgaging the future for and giving up all those picks, even though they have it in this draft, to go up and get a Baker Mayfield or a Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold. I think they should stay at five. They're guaranteed to get a blue-chip prospect in that spot, whether it's a quarterback, whether it's a, a lineman like Quinton Nelson, uh, Chubb, Barkley. I think they should either stay put or maybe even look to trade back if they want to do stockpile draft capital.
0: And it's a great opportunity for the Broncos to do that. And if my, you know, I mean, my gut tells me that John Elway, having in his mind likely solved at least short term the quarterback issue for the Broncos, he's going to find a way to capitalize, leverage, exploit, however, whatever word you want to use, that fifth overall pick because it's such a rare opportunity for the Broncos who so rarely are selecting in the top 10, let alone the top five to really, especially in a quarterback class where it's so top-heavy and deep too, it's a deep class, but there's so much demand at the top of the draft, to leverage that position and the demand for some of these quarterback-needy teams and stockpile a couple picks. I mean, if the Broncos could come out of uh, the 2018 draft with you know two first-round picks, and I mean, just like today, uh, we're, we're recording this episode on Sunday, Bob Morris uh, did a mock draft, mocked the whole first round just for fun, And he ended up trading back as the Broncos' uh, GM for a day. And he ended up taking uh, Tremaine Edmonds. He traded with the Bills back at number 12, so he picked up both of Buffalo's first-round picks, and he took Tremaine Edmonds, the phenomenally talented off-ball linebacker from Virginia Tech at 12, and then with the later pick in the 20s, I can't remember exactly which one it was, but in the 20s, he took the offensive guard from UTEP, Will Hernandez, who the Broncos got an up-close-and-personal look at at the senior bowl, and, of course, uh, their new offensive line coach, Sean Kugler, former head coach there at UTEP. So if the Broncos could come away, Zach, with stockpiling these blue-chip kids I mean, that really sets them up long term rather than panicking and giving up the farm to jump three spots and take a quarterback. I don't know. It just makes me nervous.
1: Right, and I would love that, you know, that scenario with Edmonds and Will Hernandez. But on, um, you know, to play devil's advocate, how often are the Broncos drafting at number five? How often would they you know, have this opportunity to get the quarterback of the future when they know more than likely one of them, one of the big four quarterbacks, is going to fall into their laps at number five overall? So mm. I can definitely see it both ways. I would have no issue trading back or staying put. But Case Keenum is not the long term answer at quarterback. They're not going to have an opportunity more than likely to get a QB in a very top heavy draft in the future. So, you know, if they do stay put, I think that's a, you know, they can go through that kind of logic in getting a quarterback and setting him up to be the the long term successor for Keenum and, you know, getting their guy, whoever that guy is, because, you know, we don't know what Elway's thinking or who he prefers.
0: Right. And I mean, Worst case scenario, I think, you know, we'll go through and kind of rank our guys here in a second, Zach, but I mean, really Broncos fans, what you have to come to terms with is if the Broncos go quarterback and stay put at five, the worst case scenario is they come away with a guy like Josh Allen, but it might end up being a guy like Josh Rosen. So they don't necessarily need to knee jerk and move up to number two for Baker Mayfield or a Sam Darnold. They can still get a quarterback of the future being and capitalize on their position being so high in, in the draft in such a deep class without having to, to mortgage the farm, so to speak. But on the topic of quarterbacks, Elway said on Thursday that the Broncos front office and the scouting department do not yet have a consensus on who the top quarterback is on their board. And as shocking as that might sound, here's what John Elway said just really quick. About the big four quarterbacks, do you have a consensus on upstairs on one, two, three, or four, or is it something where this guy likes this quarterback, this guy likes that? Do you have not yet, <laughs> not yet. You know, we'll still continue to talk about that, and, and uh, you know, it's like it's like anything. You can go around a room and probably get four or five different opinions on how they should be stacked, and, and uh, but the bottom line is where the, You know, once you come to a consensus of maybe where the first and second ones are then, you know, if you have that consensus, then you're doing pretty good. All right, so Elway went on to intimate also that the front office is going to get together with the scouting department starting this week to, quote, stack the board. And it's likely, Zach, the Broncos won't have a consensus uh, top quarterback amongst all of them. They might not all come together and say, yep, this is our guy. But that's where Elway, the president of football operations, the GM, weighs in with the final decision, the tiebreaker, if you will. Only this year there are going to be just so much more scrutiny on Elway's decision. But for you, Zach, how do you rank the quarterbacks? Let's say the top six quarterbacks. Obviously the top four are the most crucial, but our listeners would be interested to hear your take on that.
1: Right. I uh, think I might catch a little flack to this, but I have Josh Rosen as my QB one. Then I have Sam Darnold, then Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and then, uh, Mason Rudolph. I I really, really like Josh Rosen. I think he's the most polished QB in this draft class. The only thing you're worried about with him is his medicals and his Supposed that off, you know, his attitude on the field or his leadership qualities, you know, he can rub some executives the wrong way, but I think he's very polished. Uh, Darnold over Mayfield, I know you might disagree with me there, Chad, but he, you know, he has the prototypical height, he has that gunslinging mentality of a a Brett Favre or a Tony Romo. I, I really do like Sam Darnold, and then, you know, of course, Baker Mayfield is just that playmaker, even at a little you know at 6 foot 6 1 whatever he's a little undersized but he just has all those those traits he has that it factor the Broncos love the guy they've they've scouted him interviewed him coached him this offseason everything you want you know to see with the Broncos and uh Mayfield they've you know they've uh, put their due diligence in. so i think after Mayfield though there's a huge drop in the qbs i'm not really that big on Josh Allen he's a big time project and i think elway after really whiffing on Paxton Lynch mm-hmm. is not in the business of taking project quarterbacks in the first round.
0: I can't disagree. Now, if Zach and I were in the war room, we would have a consensus on the number one quarterback, which is Josh Rosen. Where we deviate a little bit is at number two and number three, where he has Darnold at two, I have Mayfield. But let me tell you this. I would not be disappointed if it were Darnold. I mean, Darnold is a phenomenally talented young quarterback. Where the rubber meets the road for me and what separates you know two and three and the rankings there is that I just feel Mayfield's moxie, his leadership, his competitive spirit, I think is an elite intangible and in something that the Broncos have so lacked at the quarterback position uh, since Peyton Manning left that it would just be like manna from football heaven, from the football gods. Having someone with that kind of uh, savvy, that kind of swagger and, and ability, I mean, you watched him on the field just in the senior bowl where you know he knew some of those guys stepping on the field some of his fellow teammates but he steps on the field and he just galvanizes guys guys want to follow him guys you know they get excited they have enthusiasm and they're willing to follow him and for his physical limitations with some of the tools that he might lack compared to the Darnolds and the Rosens and even the Allens I think he more than makes up for in that department and that's that's the distinguishing factor for me now Sam Darnold I think he might have the highest ceiling, uh, including with Josh Allen. I think Darnold might have the highest ceiling out of everyone here, but I worry about how long it's going to take him to get up to speed. And, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be bad for him to go to a place like Denver because with Case Keenum holding down the fort, the team would have a two-year window to get this kid up to speed. So, Unfortunately, I don't think that's even going to be an issue, though, because from what it sounds like, he's going to be the number one overall pick in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
1: uh, I have no problem with Darnold or Mayfield. I, I like both quarterbacks. But, you know, the Broncos are – the beauty part about signing Case Keenum is he's your starter. They're paying him $18 million you know in year 1 they're not going to make him you know not going to make him ride the bench so yep. whether they bring in a, a kind of an unpolished maybe to an extent a player like Sam Darnold they can afford him the opportunity of not being thrown into the fire right away and letting him learn under an experienced veteran like Hayes Keenan
0: What I don't understand my brother is all the the way that Josh Rosen at least in draft the draft community the draft next you see him on mock drafts just slipping and dropping and tumbling down the board what I don't get is how teams have how you could not learn the lessons of what happened with a guy like Aaron Rodgers for example who when he was coming out of Cal in 2005 was viewed as you know incredibly talented young quarterback but was aloof there were some issues with him teams in the scouting process didn't quite jive with him you know they didn't necessarily feel like he was a quote-unquote company man you know who would just do whatever was asked of him and you know, there were some doubts there from the scouting community despite his phenomenal skill set. And for teams who have – where those lessons are lost on teams, the lessons of Aaron Rodgers where he tumbled down into the 20s and right into the laps of Green Bay, you gotta you got to remember those lessons when it comes to a guy like Josh Rosen. Now, the biggest argument that I hear that makes sense to me from Josh Rosen is not the off-field stuff, not his, you know, stances on political issues or coaching the coaches or whatever – I mean, if, if we're honest about it, those are the type, like as far as coaching the coaches and taking control, I mean, the, that's very much what Peyton Manning did in his time in Denver. That's nothing alien to the Broncos' model of winning. What really holds me back in terms of Josh Rosen is just some of the durability issues. That's the only thing. He's still my number one quarterback, but I do worry about him taking a beating at the NFL level and whether or not he's going to be able to hold up.
1: Right. I mean, you know, injuries are a part of the game, though, and it's anyone is susceptible to injuries. But I am right there with you on where I don't understand why teams would pass on him over his attitude. I don't want a nice guy. I don't want a Trevor Stimeon, who was the nicest guy in the world in Denver. <laughs> I want a guy who's going to be kind of... You know, kind of, uh, you know, and, and an a-hole, a d-bag, a little bit. <laughs> That's right. And just, uh, and and get his guys in order and run this offense. I would take talent and and leadership ability and the ability to put the offense on his shoulders and succeed over a guy who's going to be nice to everyone and be a company man. So, if Rosen does slide in this draft, as reports have indicated, some team is going to get a steal and they're going to get a really really good future starting quarterback.
0: Absolutely. And the two guys we haven't really touched on that we probably should before we move on, of course, is Lamar Jackson. And you, you mentioned him, of course, Mason Rudolph. Now, this could be a class where at least five quarterbacks uh, go in the first round. 1983, of course, is viewed as the, the uh, greatest quarterback class in the history of the NFL And 2018 could rival it. You could have Rosen, Mayfield, Darnold, Allen, Lamar Jackson, and even toward the end of the first round, Mason Rudolph going. What are your thoughts on Rudolph coming out of Oklahoma State?
1: I like him a lot physically. I think he has what it takes to succeed at the next level. I, I think he's just a little less polished than the, the top five guys above him. I think he has the physical ability for sure, but uh, what concerns me about him is his kind of his mental processing, you know, his uh, mechanics a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I like to see him develop a little more before I, you know, hail him as a potential starter. So I like him a lot. I would even venture to say that I like him more as a prototypical quarterback. Over Lamar Jackson, I know it's not a very unpopular opinion with Jackson, but uh, I I do like Rudolph a lot, but I'm not ready to put him in the same class as a Rosen or Darnold or even Mayfield.
0: I could see him going late in the first round to a team like New England, getting groomed for a year or two, and then stepping in and having some phenomenal success because he does check a lot of the boxes, but he is another one of these quarterbacks who I think could use a little time working with pro coaches. Kind of honing some of the technique, and especially working on some of his accuracy. And as you mentioned too, some of his uh, the the speed at which he processes information in the moment. Yeah,
1: I think he's going to be a good player if he gets in the right offensive system. And you put him in New England, you know, with McDaniel's and that scheme, I think he can be a guy to develop and take over for Brady. But I mean, they would get a really good quarterback. I think late first though is a little too rich for my blood in that. It, for that, for New England's pick, I think they have other needs to address. But I would not be surprised, though, if he does go on day
0: one. It's going to be an absolutely compelling first round this time around. Oh, yeah. Um, we're looking forward to it. And, and this kind of brings us to the crux of today's show. But before we dive into that, let me holler at you really quick about why you need to become a Mile High Huddle VIP subscriber. As we've talked about, we've merged with the Broncos on 247 uh, Sports website Not only will we have greater capacity to stay on top of the news, but it'll give us more of an opportunity to focus on what we love doing, which is diving deep for our VIP subscribers. Now, one of the changes that came with our move to 247 Sports is that it's now $9.95 per month, which gives you access to every piece of content we produce, including our staff premium uh, message board, MHH Insiders. And because we moved to 247 Sports, our VIP benefit package, here's the the upside – has expanded as well as subscribers now get more kickbacks and discounts than they were offered when we were at Scout. So listen, our approach to covering the Broncos isn't just about reporting the news. We want to break down the Broncos in depth, whether it's all 22 film reviews, X's and O's, deep dive player evaluation. And now as we get into the draft and, you know, free agent analysis, scouting reports... We save our best and most in-depth content for our VIP subscribers, our premium members. Now, to become a Mile High Huddle VIP and get access to 100% of our written analysis, just click on the green banner at the top of the website. You can click the monthly or the annual option. If you go annual, there is an additional discount there. But then you'll be locked in, and from there you get access to everything we produce, which includes any inside information we pick up along the way which this time of year is typically when we glean the most on uh, on that side of things. So we work hard to bring you the best Broncos coverage and analysis on the web. And we ask for your support by becoming a VIP subscriber. You pull the trigger. You have my word. You won't be disappointed. All right, Zach. Now each and every year we savor the arguments that spring up around the NFL draft. It's what makes this season, this time on the NFL calendar so compelling. And it's one of the joys of being a, a fan of football. Now, you know you're hearing things like should the broncos draft the best player available or should they draft best uh, based on need and we hear this each and every year most fans will be surprised to learn that a lot of elway's draft decisions have can't, um, uh, come down to him taking the best player available at a position of need however this time around holding the 5th overall pick being such a rare opportunity like we talked about earlier it's a blessing from the football gods the broncos cannot screw it up i mean they have to get this pick right They're always going to try to fill the Broncos roster holes via free agency, in which you alluded to earlier in the show. They did a pretty good job this year, uh, which in theory frees them up in the draft. And even though Elway, you know, he wheeled, he dealed, traded away two team captains, he acquired two impact players on the trading block, signed several other key guys, including Keenum, there are some needs that remain. So do the Broncos technically need a quarterback today? After all, the team just signed a playoff quarterback who won eleven and three as a starter last year, with two quarterbacks still on the roster who they drafted over the last couple of seasons. So I understand the argument that quarterback is not an immediate need. Long term, you could argue that it's there, but today I get that point of view. Could the Broncos get by without drafting a quarterback early this year? I think they could, but here's the rub. This is, as we mentioned earlier, one of the best quarterback classes at least of the last decade. So Passing up on the opportunity to partake might be a mistake, and I frankly do not envy Elway's decision, but let me throw this over to you, Zach. BPA or need, at least at the top of the draft. This time around, what should the Broncos do? Because there are some phenomenal blue-chip talent that aren't quarterbacks at the top of this draft.
1: Yeah, well, the good thing about the Broncos and their free agency moves was, like I said, they allowed themselves to go BPA at number 5, and their you know, their BPA and their needs both kind of align. Uh, they're going to have a quarterback on the board more than likely. They're going to have an offensive lineman like Quinton Nelson on the board, uh, Barkley, Chubb. So one of those players is going to fall into the Broncos' laps, and they could use any of those players at, at their position. So uh, they could go BPA. I think that also aligns with their need. I don't think they should just draft someone like you know Roquan Smith or Denzel Ward, take like a linebacker or a cornerback. They don't have to go that far. Uh, but I do think it's tough because the, the quarterback class next year is not very good, so to speak. It's definitely not like it is this year. And unless they want to you know pin their hopes on Keenum ke- keeping his success going into his 30s or Pax and Lynch developing, as long side as that may be, or Chad Kelly, I think you, you can make the case that they have to take a quarterback – But if they don't want to, if they want to go for another need, uh, a guy like Quentin Nelson or Barkley or Chubb makes a ton of sense.
0: Yeah, I I wrote a piece. uh, It was either last week or the week before that, you know, just the way you see the mock drafts shape up around the Internet and from different experts and what we hear behind closed doors from sources we have in the scouting community. Saquon Barkley. Originally it was thought that there's no way he gets past the Giants at number two, but as time has gone on and we get closer to the draft, more likely it's becoming more and more likely that he could be there for the Broncos at number five. And I wrote that piece, it was basically like, look, you know, against all reason or inexplicably, the Broncos could have the opportunity to take a Saquon Barkley at number five this year. And I'm of the opinion that look, if Darnold Rosen, and Mayfield are off the board. And it comes down to – and that would also probably mean, too, that Chubb is off the board because Cleveland uh, is I've, – I've been told Cleveland really likes him at number four. Of everyone else that remains there at pick five, even though it's a, a running back, and the Broncos traditionally have not valued running back that high, Saquon Barkley is of such a caliber as a running back that I, I wrote that John Elway should run to the podium and take him at number five. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I love Barkley. I think he's a transcendent talent. I think uh, the Broncos haven't really had a franchise runner in that backfield since Terrell Davis, you can make the argument. And Barkley is just you know, the best running back prospect to come out since Peterson. He's being compared to Barry Sanders. He is definitely at the top of the class in terms of running backs, and he would instantly help out this offense and take some pressure away from Keenum and the receivers – but on the other hand, it's such a very an historically deep running back draft class. Do you take that position at number five and bypass other needs such as guard or edge rusher or whatever, mm. and go for Barkley, or do you wait until the second or third rounds where you can still get a starter, but take another position, a player at a you know, at number five, and and use a running back position and in later in the draft?
0: And that's why I think that if. The top three guys, quarterbacks, are off the board, and Bradley Chubb is gone as well. I think that's the reason why the Broncos would actually pass there on Saquon Barkley because there are so many other good, phenomenal running backs to be had, especially in the second rounds, even round three. I mean, we saw last year in 2017 in the NFL what some third-round picks, how they could dominate the NFL. I mean, they're there, and this class is even better than what Uh, 2017 offered up. So if there's an argument to the Broncos not taking Saquon Barkley, that's it. And I totally get it, but I still would take exception to the idea because I just think he would immediately turn the ship around offensively for the Broncos. Because not only would you have Case Keenum, a guy who's going to win for you from the pocket. He's a guy who's not going to get, you know, jittery. He's not going to see ghosts and break the pocket early and, put his tackles in bad position, he's going to stand tall, he's going to make his reads, he's going to deliver the football, and then you bring in a Saquon Barkley who not only has the potential to you know, lead the team in rushing as a rookie, but probably even be the number three wide receiver from a catches and yards perspective. I just What that could do for the Broncos' offense, I think, could really impact the destiny of this team, not only in 2018 in terms of making them a contender for the AFC West, which is wide open this year but also long-term. And again, but the flip side to that coin is shelf life for a running back in the modern NFL is so finite. I mean, you would basically have to capitalize on, you'd have to look at him like you have Saquon Barkley for a four to five-year window, so you better make some hay while the sun is shining.
1: I agree with you. I love the guy, like I said, but you know, to put it another way, is he going to be able to have success running behind that O-line if they don't have a right guard in place, if they pass on Quentin Nelson? And let's say you have you know, Menelik Watson starting or Max Garcia starting or Connor McGovern starting, if if there's penetration in the backfield and he can't get going, is that still the right pick? It, it's all hindsight, of course. I would love him. I just think that if it's between him and, and Quinton Nelson, a guy who's a perennial all-pro talent, a plug-and-play day-one starter, you got to seriously you know, consider fortifying that O-line and having a future nucleus of which to build on.
0: I can't disagree with Nelson being a guy who – very likely is going to step into the NFL and provide Pro Bowl, all-pro caliber offensive guard play right out of the gates. But there's still something about taking a guard that early, despite Denver's needs that just, I mean, I know he's considered one of the can't-miss prospects in this class, but there's something about that that just doesn't sit right to me.
1: I agree. In a sense, I mean, you can get Barkley at, at 5 and maybe trade up for Will Hernandez, or you can get Nelson at 5 and trade up for a running back or take a running back in the second round. Either way, it's kind of a win-win in my opinion. It's such a deep class in the first couple of rounds, and That's fortunately right. the Broncos have a lot of draft capital with four picks in the top 100.
0: But you can see, listeners, why we don't necessarily— envy John Elway this decision because even though he's going to have the pick of the litter so to speak, I mean he's going to have so many good options at the top of the draft, each one comes with its own implications that could alter the destiny of the Broncos both short term and long term now speaking of implications the Denver Broncos of course very recently released CJ Anderson last Monday, in fact we're coming up on a week from the point and uh, they bit the bullet, they freed up $4.5 million on the 2018 salary cap, now between what we've talked about on the website and what some of the other shows on this podcast network have discussed, we've pretty well addressed whether or not it was the right move to release C.J. Anderson. Today, what Zach and I wanted to to focus on were really the implications of Anderson's release. What does it all mean, especially as it pertains to the draft and the running backs left on the roster? And let's just start with the draft, Zach. How does C.J. Anderson's departure, you feel like, shake things up there?
1: Well, I feel like they were destined to take a running back at some point, whether or not CJ was on the roster. It wasn't contingent on that fact. But now that he's gone, I think it's and even Elway admitted he thinks they can get a good one in the draft, and he pretty much confirmed that in his pre-draft press conference. Uh, releasing him wasn't so much, you know, they want to give D, you know uh, Devonte Booker and D'Angelo Henderson more carries for sure, uh, but releasing him was more of a salary cap dump. They wanted to get his four and a half million dollars off the books. And it gave him over, you know, close to fifteen million. They need that money to put away for an extension or just a rainy day fund, pay their draft picks. So they want to give Booker and Henderson more carries. And they're going to have uh, another guy come in, a rookie running back, and have a committee approach similar to last year. Even though they failed with that, with uh, Jamal Charles, Anderson, and Booker. The
0: thing that's crazy about Booker is he—he gets so much shade thrown his way by the fans, but I don't don't either. He is steadily—you know—he's earned the praise and the faith of of, of the Broncos brain trust, the guys who are making the decisions. We've heard his name mentioned more than once since the season ended by Vance Joseph. And I would think, and tell me if I'm wrong here, Zach, that unless the Broncos do draft a Saquon Barkley, as we just discussed, I think Booker heads into camp as running back one, even if the Broncos take a guy like Sonny Michel or Nick Chubb, even early in the second round, I think those players would have to come in and compete for Booker to be the number one running back. At least Booker would enter camp as RB1.
1: I agree with you. Unless they draft Barkley, Booker will get a chance to get the majority of top dog duties in that backfield. Uh, the only way they don't, like I said, or he doesn't, is if they draft Barkley, who would probably come in as a number five overall pick and be that 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 lead back, that you know, that uh, the workhorse back. So they want they really high on Booker, and I don't get the shade either. I think every opportunity he's gotten and it hasn't been much in the last couple of years, he's really shown to be a well. A well-rounded back as a pass catcher. He had that nice touchdown against the Colts as a runner. Um, so I think they want to give him more carries. They want to give Hot more carries. And I think with a rookie like uh, Michelle or Geis, whoever, Ronald Jones, whoever they bring in, it will be a committee approach, a three-headed attack in the backfield.
0: The thing that fans need to keep in mind is the fact that Devontae Booker hasn't really been 100% since the Broncos drafted him. And you could argue that, you know, that's one of the things that you don't like about him. But it's kind of just been the way that the dominoes have fallen because coming out of Utah, he was recovering from two knee surgeries. He had the original knee surgery, and then right as the season ended, They had to go back in and redo, clean up the previous surgery that didn't quite heal right. So he went into his rookie campaign. Coming off that, if everyone remembers, the Broncos took it extremely slow with him. And until they had to, you know, he was kind of just a a guy backing up C.J. Anderson. But when he went down, I think it was week seven against Houston, and and the Broncos had to turn to Booker. I mean, he was just starting to get his win back, so to speak, but he still went on. He was a lead back throughout the year, led the team in rushing. And then, unfortunately, you get into his second season, everything's looking good, and he gets that weird wrist injury, which basically cost him about half a season. And, again, kind of compromised him being at full strength to start the season. So I'm kind of stoked, you guys, to really get the opportunity to see Devontae Booker not only step into a situation where, you know, he's conceivably the running back one right out of the gates, but being 100% healthy In an offense that believes in him, I think he could do some good things.
1: I think so too. I think even with a better O line, if they get a guard in the draft, I think he'll have more, you know, you know, running lanes and with a better quarterback under center. That cannot be discounted at all. That he's gonna have you know, they're gonna have a balanced attack and they're gonna play off the pass, get the running game going. So I'm very excited to see Booker. I'm probably one of his bigger fans among, you know, the media and the fan base, and I'm interested to see what he can do with more carries and like you said, being fully healthy.
0: Amen to that. Now, before we get out of here, one last topic to dissect for the day. Right after the draft, the Broncos are coming up on their deadline to decide on Shane Ray's fifth-year option. May 3rd is is the actual date. Now, some of you might be asking, I see this on social media quite often, why this decision has not already been made. But let me drop some knowledge on you. If the Broncos pick up Ray's fifth-year, the way that salary gets formulated is for players who were selected in the draft between picks 11 and 32, which is where Shane Ray was taken, teams have to calculate the average salaries of the third to 25th highest paid players at that position from the previous season. They're averaging that out, if that makes sense. Translation, it's been calculated that in order to exercise that option, the Broncos would have to be willing to pay Shane Ray essentially $9.2 million dollars for 2019 so that would in essence make Ray who had very little production last year granted he was hurt among the top 15 highest paid outside linebackers in the NFL which you understand now why the Broncos are kind of dragging their feet on this decision and Zach I mean we saw him let Sylvester Williams go because of this same issue even though he was their first round pick they didn't quite feel like he was worth paying at that level because in Williams case if they would have picked up his fifth year option he would have been one of the top five highest paid defensive tackles in the NFL and obviously his performance didn't quite measure up to that level and they're dealing with a similar issue here with Ray now they did it with Bradley Roby but I think his performance has justified the expense they're going to be paying in 2018 for that fifth year option for Roby I just don't think they should do it as it comes to Shane Ray but what's your take Zach?
1: agree. I don't I don't I'm of the opinion that Shaq Barrett is the better outside linebacker for the Broncos as a first round pick. I think Ray's been kind of a bust. I know it's a very taboo word to throw out there. But I, I just don't think it's production and what I've seen from him. He was injured last year. I don't think he's really been worthy of that first-round selection. I would not pay him over $9 million when you might want to keep Shaq Barrett around, who's a restricted free agent, naked 2.9 this year. they want to keep him, he's going to cost some money. Von Miller has a huge contract. His cap number next year goes up over $25 million, so you cannot afford to keep all three of them around together you're gonna have to make a decision and if it was up to me if I was John Elway I would keep Barrett I would work out a long-term deal I would decline that option on Ray and go forward uh, with those outside linebackers
0: I cannot disagree and again the biggest thing that's held back Shane Ray has been the injury bug he's only played one 16 game season which was 2016 and of course You know, correspondingly, it was his best year, statistically speaking, he had eight sacks. But he's just not a guy who wins consistently one-on-one, you know. And even you go back to that week three matchup in 2016 where he had those three sacks uh, against the Bengals on the road, which was everyone was like, wow, Shane Ray's coming into his own. And it kind of looked like maybe he was. You go back and you we broke down the film at Mile High Huddle. I think this was last year, but we went back and broke down the film. And most of those uh, three, I think there was one of those sacks where you could honestly say that it was due to something Shane Ray did as a pass rusher. Everything else it was just the way the play broke down or him just having a good motor and, you know, staying in pursuit or the quarterback running into him. So that's been my biggest complaint with Shane Ray aside from the injury bug is, you know, he's been billed as this speed rusher. To compliment Von Miller, who can just beat tackles off the snap, but we just haven't seen that come out in the wash. No, and you nailed it
1: right on the head when you said win consistently because you watch him on tape every week. You know he doesn't set the edge very well. He's decent in, in run support, but as a pass rusher, he's just so inconsistent. And with Von Miller getting double team, triple team on the other side, mm. there is no reason why. He should not be able to step up and produce more. He did have eight sacks in 2016. You you might have thought he was in for a breakout year. The wrist injury did set him back. But even when he was on the field last year, he just did not look like the same player. And Shaq Barrett, to me, is more of a prototypical edge rusher. He just is a better complementary player to Von Miller. And I think he wins more consistently. It would help if the Broncos had some interior pass rush, and I think I'm excited about DeMarcus Walker mm, this year. Yep. If they use him correctly, they don't put him at outside linebacker. <laughs> I don't know why, you know, Banch yeah. just wasted him last year. That's another story for another day. But if they have some interior push, I think that will help the outside linebackers. But, no, uh, I, I would decline the option. I would go forward with Shaq and uh, Von Miller on the
0: outside. Amen, brother. Well, we did it. We got through our first podcast today uh, together. It was uh, a good show. Thanks for joining me tonight, my brother. Appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on here. It's going to be the first of many, many, many podcasts together with myself and Zach. But uh, that's it for today. You can find Zach Kelberman on Twitter, at Kelberman247, and myself, at Chad and Jensen. If you have questions, hit us up on Twitter. We're going to try to address them on the show as often as we can. The best way, though, to get a direct response from us is to hit us up on the MHH Insider's premium message board. But again, we're always going to try to engage with you, our listeners, as often as we can. Don't forget to join Mile High Huddle as a VIP. Support the cause, you guys. And make sure you're subscribing to the podcast, y'all. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon. Mile High Huddle. Last spring, you chose hard-working But did it work as hard as you did? At NK Seeds, we know that all the time, all the effort, comes down to this. All that matters now is yield and how the seed performed on your acre. Because you can't fake performance. And bushels don't lie. Local results coming soon. Visit nkseeds.com harvest.